Shabbat Shalom and greeting to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We're still here and what a blessing. I was on the Shabbat Fellowship this morning and it was really grand to connect with so many of you from all over the world. Truly, truly inspiring. Shabbat Shalom to all of you in the chat. Looking forward to being able to communicate with you at the end of the message. Thank you to everybody that does support this ministry with your stewardship, your giving, and we really are so appreciative in these difficult times. And again, your letters mean so much, those of you that do correspond through email, and of course, the grand United States Postal Service. So we are very appreciative that the mail is still going because you know what? That means that we can still communicate. We're in Revelation in the final saga here of chapter 11 and part E. Credit due where credit is due, Larry. Larry and I, we love to talk about the two witnesses And I have been delaying getting into Revelation 12 just to vex Larry. But Larry helped compile this teaching and credit due where credit's due. Thank you so much, Larry. And if you don't like today's teaching, then blame Larry. No, I'm kidding. But thank you, Larry. We have spoken much about this and um, leading into Revelation 12 and a couple of other um, brothers on Torah to the Tribes have um, come forth, and I think this morning we um, had some great um, information from Cameron, I believe it is. I may have got your name wrong, my memory. And, of course, Malik, who has been helping us out with um, so much when it comes to Revelation 12. Great insights. Remember, there's not just one way to look at things. We like to use an orchard view Pardes, the Hebrew word for orchard, means that we're looking at the text in the Peshat, the plain sense. We understand that the text does hint at something deeper. That's the remez. And then there is allegory. And of course, that's the drash. And then the mysterious, we only see through a glass dimly, the Apostle Paul says, that's the sowed level. So it's great to see people that are looking at Revelation 12 and studying it because I don't have all the answers, but together with some sharp swords, Yahweh is equipping the saints for the days in which we live. So we are now in 11, chapter 11, part E, looking at the seven assemblies. Now, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, we see the seven assemblies are being discussed. And in Revelation chapter 1, in the 20th verse, it does state that these seven assemblies, they are seven magnificent golden menorim, menorahs. Seven magnificent golden menorahs, which are the seven assemblies. And out of these seven menorim, menorahs, two stand out more spectacular and in quite a dangerous position because of the stance and the identification that they have made than the other five. These two assemblies or two menorahs that stand out, of course, are Smyrna and Philadelphia. They stand out because of two very particular reasons. Number one, 
They're both faithful. They're Zadiks, as in Malki Zadiks. And two, it does put them as a target. They have been able to identify the synagogue of Satan. And because they are able to identify who the synagogue of Satan, it puts them in a particular place of comprehension and understanding for the prophecies which do follow. The first mention that we get of the tribulation isn't in Revelation chapter 1, but it's all the way back in the Torah in the book of Deuteronomy in the fourth chapter and in the 30th verse specifically. And it goes right along with the seven assemblies in the book of Revelation. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and in the 30th verse it is written, When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days. So it's not speaking to that generation then. It is speaking to you and I today that when Jacob's trouble that will lead into the great tribulation comes in the latter days, if then, when then you turn to Yahweh thy Elohim and shall be obedient unto his voice, his debar, his word, we know then in the 31st verse, for Yahweh thy Elohim is a merciful Elohim. He will not leave you in the tribulation. He will not forsake you, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. You cannot divorce our deliverance from this terrible time from the covenant, the book of the covenant, which was spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They never knew the book of the law. They only knew the book of the covenant. This understanding of the book of the covenant, which is Malkitzedek, and identifying who the synagogue of Satan is, puts us in this particular group of two witnesses, if you could, two assemblies, if you could, two menorim that stand out from the rest. And I believe that we are living in spectacular times, and it witnesses to me of all the people that are being gathered all over the world to this message. Now, in Revelation chapter 6, we remember the first seal was the invitation, if you will, to join, looking at it here, hinting at the two assemblies. That revelation rider in chapter 6 of the white horse, which is a picture of Yahusha, is an invitation to come and be the two witnesses. It's an invitation to come and be the two menorim, menorahs that stand out from the rest. It's an invitation to be able to identify who the synagogue of Satan is and to stand in the covenant of thy fathers to be able to get through the tribulation. This is Book of the Covenant, Malkitzedek, and identifying who the synagogue of Satan is specifically. 
you have to be able to repent first and foremost to be able to overcome. You have to repent to be able to overcome. Yahusha, of course, represented by the rider on the white horse because these are the two assemblies or witnesses that come into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Or, if you can, the marriage supper of the Lamb is a picture of the place of safety, the wilderness where the woman will flee. Because where was it that the book of the covenant, the covenant of thy fathers was delivered to the children? Where was it? It was in the wilderness after they had been birthed out through the waters and carried as on and we're going to break it down in the Hebrew, eagles' wings into the wilderness. And that's what's going to happen, and we're leading into now, into Revelation 12 next week, and culminating here in Revelation 11. I pray that I can tie this all together, but I want to go to the wilderness of safety. And I know that Yahweh has given us a powerful witness in these days and these times, and he is going to keep us safe through the tribulation. And it's playing out fast, isn't it? It seems to be playing out very fast. In Revelation 7, the 144,000 are being sealed. And these are the two houses of Israel that are being gathered from the nations. And we are getting 12,000 from each tribe. And people say to me, well, how do I know which tribe I, I'm, I'm from? Well, whatever day that you are sealed, then that's the tribe that you're from. Because remember, the sealing of the tribes in the book of Numbers, it all happened according to a particular day. On this day, this tribe was sealed. On that day, that tribe was sealed. So this calling, this gathering is happening, and Yahweh is on the throne, and we are being gathered out of the nations. This is the true Israel, biblical Israel, because we've identified the fake Israel, because we've identified the synagogue of Satan. And therefore now this is an official declaration of Israel coming back together from the nations. Which is why I open up every week with greetings as James, the half-brother of Yahushua did. Greetings to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Very powerful in days and times like no other before. No other before. Revelation chapter 7 verse 4 is the regathering, is it not? But then on the opposite hand, as Yahweh is gathering, we find that George Soros is trying to scatter, trying to divide, trying to conquer by using racial, tribal, ethnic leverage of chaos and hate. And this is all part of the synagogue of S.A. Tan's playbook. I mean, just this week here in Oregon, I believe it was early in the midst of the week, and I think in Washington too and in California, it's now mandatory that you wear a false face in public spaces. Mandatory. And I was thinking about that. I was like, well... What, what does the Bible have to say? Let's break this down. Let's look at the word 
for mask or a false face in the Hebrew. And you're going to find something that just boggles the mind. It's just, just amazing to me. A little side rabbi trail here, but we'll get back and I should be able to tie it all in. The Hebrew word for mask is saif, saif. It's got a very strange spelling, zadi, ayin, yod, and the pay so feet, the final pay, the final pay. The Hebrew word for mask, zadi, ayin, yod, pay so feet. Now, you start to break this down, and it makes you really see what's happening today with the whole false face that's being propagated. Because the Saudi, and if you look at it, it looks like a man that's been laid out on his side. The Saudi looks like, especially in the Paleo-Hebrew, a man that has been laid out on his side. It means to wait. It means to chase down and hunt. It means to desire trouble. That is what the word picture for the Hebrew word letter Zadi is. Now, when you go to the Ayin, the next letter in the Hebrew word for mask, we know the Ayin, it looks like an eye in the Paleo-Hebrew. An eye to watch, to surveil, to show, to experience, to try and get information on another gain understanding. That's what the ayin means in the Paleo-Hebrew. And then the next letter in Saif is the yod. Well, we know that's the hand. That means to work, to throw. But it also means to worship. And in its true form, yod is the first letter of our Father's name. So true worship. But the counterfeit is a false worship. And then the final letter is the pay so feet. Now the pay, you look at that in the Paleo-Hebrew, it looks like an open mouth. An open mouth. And if you have an open mouth, you can breathe in oxygen from the Creator the way that you were created to do it at 20.5%, between 20 and 21%. It's healthy. It's the way we were created from our Father on high. It means that you can blow and breathe, but it also means to scatter to the edge, to command and to open. So these letters broken down from the Hebrew word saif means the Zadi, this is going to blow your mind. The Zadi, the hunt to lay man over. Ayin, using surveillance. Yod, handing over to false worship. Final pay, those with an open mouth, unmasked, will be scattered to either the wilderness or to the edge of the sword. That's what it means. I'm not making this stuff up. Zadi, the hunt to lay man over, Ayin, using surveillance, Yod, handing over to false worship, final pay, those with an open mouth, those unmasked, will be scattered to either the wilderness 
or to the edge of the sword. Don't you see this is clear profiling? Clear profiling. And that's being politicized to the max, isn't it? Politicized to the max. Only the 12 tribes of Israel, a true multi-ethnic coat from Joseph, is going to be able to rise above the social programming and divide and actually flee into the wilderness and escape the sword. Because this is true social programming on how to break down the human psyche. The amount of depression and oppression that people are suffering right now, the world over, is absolutely astronomical. Because when you do that to a person over a long period of time, they know that it starts to break the person down on their inner man. Because we were created to communicate, not only verbally, but non-verbally, through our faces. And that's why Yahuwah, when he would visit, he would visit and Moshe would say, Panaim el Panaim, let's get face to face. Because that's intimacy. If you cut the intimacy, you get isolation, depression, and oppression, which leads into the occult realm of the scattering and trafficking of souls, which ultimately is the synagogue of Satan's end game. But back to the text, Revelation is inspiring because there is a way out for us because we see the divide and conquer mentality. Revelation in the 11th chapter and the third verse, and I will give power, power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. Now, being clothed in sackcloth, of course, means they embody mourning. They embody repentance, teshuvah. It's about humbling oneself. Are we going to humble ourselves to the will of Elohim? Or are we going to humble ourselves, lay on our side to the dictates of tyranny? I want to be like Ezekiel. And I want to lay myself on my side before Yahuwah. But you can make another choice. And you can lay on your side before tyranny. Because that's what it's coming down to. And that's epitomized just in the first letter of the Hebrew word for mask, the Zadi. You either lay on your side like the prophet Ezekiel, and major revelation comes, or you lay on your side before tyranny. In the fourth verse of Revelation 11, it goes on to say, these are the two olive trees, and the two menorim standing before the Elohim of the earth. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, he speaks of a judgment that came, but also a judgment that is coming in the 11th chapter and the 16th verse, where it is written, Yahweh called thy name a green olive tree. Fair. And of goodly fruit. 
and with a noise of a great tumult, he hath kindled fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. For Yahweh Sevot, that planted thee, hath pronounced evil against thee, for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense unto Baal. The tyranny, the executive orders, and everything that wants to lay the Zadi, the man on his side, is all from the prophets of Baal. It comes from their system. And this was all instituted, and we moved away from the Creator, and we moved into an occult realm with Roe versus Wade. And that cemented in the prophets of Baal, the black robe judges, if you will. Okay? It is an occult system, and it was cemented in, and the choice was made with Roe versus Wade, because this is none other than Molechian worship, which, of course, the prophet Elijah was dealing with. And only a prophetic mantle is going to be able to help you get through the chicane of what they have created since then. And that's how all of these laws are coming down the pike, because it's tyranny at the hands of a system of the synagogue of Satan that ultimately wants to lay man on his side, represented by the Zadi. It's powerful stuff. Let's unpack this further. Jeremiah, of course, spoke of that in the 11th chapter, in the 16th verse. But Hosea, he was not alone. Because Hosea the prophet, it's the prophetic mantle that is upon us in these days. Hosea says in the 14th chapter and the first verse, O Israel, now is the time to return to Yahweh thy Elohim, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Get up off your side. Stand. The only time you get laid on your side is when the prophetic mantle is upon you to receive revelation from Yahuwah to communicate to the people. Otherwise, you stand. Take with thou your words and turn to Yahuwah. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Ashur shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our Elohim. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the Jew unto Israel, that first morning dew, that fresh water of nourishment. He shall grow up as the lily and cast forth his roots to Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree 
and his smell as Lebanon. Again, it ties in with the two witnesses. That's Hosea right there in the 14th chapter. And in the seventh verse of Hosea 14, it goes on to say, They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the wine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and have observed him. I am like a green fir tree. For me is thy fruit found. Who is wise? And who shall understand these things? Who shall be prudent? He shall know them, for the ways of Yahuwah are right and the just. While they shall walk in his ways, but the transgressors, they shall fall on their sides before tyranny. There's a divide between the sheep and the goats. Yahuwah was separating his flock because we're coming into Jacob's trouble. Just as Jacob separated his flock. We have to go under the rod. But he is merciful. I would rather fall under the rod of Yahuwah than under the rod of man. And the prophets before us said the same thing. Because Yahuwah is merciful. But the prophets of Baal, they are merciless tyrants. Merciless. Merciless. Of course, now Paul picks up on what Jeremiah has spoken of, what Hosea has spoken of right here. And Paul then connects this to the Romans in the 11th chapter, does he not? When he talks about the branches that are going to be broken off and thrown and cast out in, a revela in Romans chapter 11, verse 20. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off of this fine olive tree, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if Yahweh spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. So then it goes on to say that if we now continue not in unbelief, then when, then now... We get to be grafted back into that olive tree, which means we get the opportunity of being the two witnesses manifest in this 144,000 regathering of the tribes of Israel. In the 20th, 20th verse of Romans 11, um, 22nd verse, it says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of Yahweh on them which fell... Severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue, you've got to continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. And you'll be laid on your side, the zadi, before the tyranny of man. Or you'll be laid on your side, like the prophet Ezekiel, before the glory and splendor with a prophetic mantle. So that you can serve and minister the saints. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, they shall be grafted in. For Yahweh is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, 
and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? This is our regathering to bear fruit and be rooted and planted. So now we know that the two olive trees are the two houses of Israel, which we just have seen them come back together in Revelation 7 as the 144,000, as are the two menorahs, as are the two assemblies, Smyrna and Philadelphia that are Malkitzedic, covenant, and have identified the synagogue of Satan, the black-robed priests of Baal that are bringing in all this tyranny right now, forcing man to mask up and lay on his side. Am I the only one getting this? Now is the time to accept the seal of Revelation chapter 6 and go forth, all of us right now, witnessing and witnessing till the very ends of the earth, teaching everyone that their lives depend on Yahuwah alone, not on man. Man can't save you. You can't save you. Only the mer... Who will you turn to? The tyranny of the world is training by breaking down the psyche of man to turn unto them for their salvation and deliverance. And because people are being broken down and afraid, they're afraid. And they're genuinely afraid. Where else will they turn? But there's a strange and peculiar people, Israel, being gathered from the nations and they stand and they'll only lay on their side, not to tyranny, but unto Yahweh because a prophetic mantle like Ezekiel's is upon them so that they can be a part of the witnessing to gather in the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad wherever you are. We've got people in Africa. We have people in India, Indonesia, all over the world, even in the Isle of Wight, in England. And they're going to hassle you when you try and get on the ferry now and go to the mainland. Everywhere. Look, it's amazing, isn't it? It's time for us to go witnessing. It's time for us to teach people the word of Elohim, to go forth and proclaim the Sabbath and the feast days and the gathering unto Yahuwah from the nations. Who is Israel? We are Israel high, life, life more abundantly, and we breathe the life of the Creator in His creation that He has created. We get to breathe that in because we are living souls. We're not dead men. We are living. And as living souls, we serve the Creator Yahuwah. And we're free from tyranny. But you have to stand. A man that cannot communicate the word of Yahuwah knows not the word of Yahuwah. So we have to be able to communicate the word, do we not? That's the witness in this day and age. 
Now, the teaching of the true book of the covenant, which is Melchizedek, and the testimony that we would witness, Isaiah told us in, Revelate, in, in Isaiah chapter 8, in the 20th verse, it is written, To the Torah and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light, no vision in them. So we need to speak to the Torah, which is the book of the covenant specific, because that's the only Torah that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew. They didn't know the book of the law. And the testimony is the one who ratified it by his blood. And that, of course, is Yahushua. Isaiah lays it out that the two witnesses, those that will raise up and prophesy, they will have the testimony of the Torah and the testimony of Yahushua, those that keep the commandments and know Yahushua. It's right there in Isaiah chapter 8 and the 20th verse. So we only have a small window of time. Is it 1260 days that we have to change the world? Well, some would say yes. Others would ponder that and wonder how much longer we're going to be here on this earth and then next week we'll get into revelation chapter 12 and we see the woman is being described and we know that of course that this woman is is israel yahushua was born from israel and now he's ascended and he sits at the right hand of the father in the shamayim but today israel is giving birth again but this time, it's to believers all over the world. Her followers are now her children, aren't they? The woman was given two wings of an eagle. And where does this come from in Revelation chapter 12? It comes from the book of the covenant in, Reve in Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. The woman was given two wings of an eagle. So now what we're going to do to prepare for next week, Revelation 12, where the woman is given two wings of an eagle to fly into the wilderness, the place of safety. That's where we're going. But pre to prepare us to get there, let's look back, because this has all happened before. In Exodus chapter 9, when we were coming out from tyranny, from a pharaoh, from a governor, that would try and lay Israel over on their side. But Moshe continued to go in before Pharaoh and stand. And eventually, it was Pharaoh and his household that were laid on their side, was it not? You see, it's a dichotomy. It's a dichotomy. And it is where we are today. Because in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, and Revelation chapter 12, we're going to see the similitude. The woman was given two wings of an eagle that she might fly or flee into the wilderness, into her place where she is going to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. That's 1260 whopping days. Also, that connects with Daniel chapter 12 and the seventh verse. And we're going to be fleeing from the tyranny, fleeing from the face of the serpent. And the face of a serpent is veiled. The face 
of a serpent is a false face. It presents an image made of man by the hands of man and it operates behind a mask which is where we get our modern vernacular actors which are lofted up on high by people and worshipped, right? With golden statutes and images. Revelation 12, 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared for Yahweh that they should feed her there three, there a thousand and two hundred and three score days. And look at the 12th verse of Revelation 12. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face, the false face of the serpent. You see, the first time that the woman was given two wings of an eagle, all the way back at the mountain in Exodus chapter 19 verse 4 and it's gonna happen again there's the shadow look at Exodus 19 3 turn with me while I take a sip from our sponsor just making sure it doesn't have any occult images on it And Moshe went up unto the Elohim, unto Elohim, excuse me, and Yahweh called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Yaakov, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, Isaiah the prophet, he then carries on and picks this charge, this clarion call to fleeing in the wilderness and the eagle and Yahweh's sovereignty in Isaiah chapter 40 and, of course, the 31st verse where it is written, But they that wait upon Yahweh. So you have to be patient. Somebody asked me today on the Shabbat Fellowship, well, should we flee now or should we buy land now? And I'm like, well, you know, what I have learned is if there's a rush to do something, usually you shouldn't do it. Be patient. And if it, oh, I'm going to miss the opportunity, let it go. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, make your petitions known to Yahweh. And the peace, that surpasses all understanding shall rest upon you, and then you can act. But if there's an anxiousness to get, don't do it. Patience. Just you've got to go slow and steady. Slow and steady. So Isaiah says in the 40th chapter in the 31st verse, But they that wait upon Yahweh shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles again. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I know that it's tough right now, and I know a lot of you out there are feeling oppression. But remember this, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is our comforter. So we need to be seeking the Ruach HaKodesh to get that comfort because the world is just offering anxiety on a plate.
fear on a plate, tyranny on a plate, and it's breaking down the very soul of man and causing him to be very disturbed with his fellow man. Yet Yahuwah has a better way. It's the way of the word. It's the way of the ruach. And it's the way of the wings of an eagle. And that's where we're headed. It's a different world. It's a different venue. And we're being teed right up to it from Exodus 19 through Isaiah 40. He's preparing us. And if we break this down in the Hebrew, and you're like, why is Matthew all of a sudden busting out the Hebrew? Well, I did last week, and apparently a couple of people liked it and said, would I do that again? I'm like, I actually kind of enjoyed it too. It's been a while. I used to do it when my daughter Eliana was born. In fact, if you go on our YouTube, I think I broke her name down in the paleo back in the day. And she just turned, how old did she just turn, Moshe? Eight, right? Now, I said that just because if she's watching, I've been telling her she's only nine or weak, but she's really... Hmm? My son's looking confused, like he doesn't even know how old she is. Are you still confused? See, now we're going to be in the doghouse when we get home again. Always happens, every week. No, it doesn't. Look. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. Eleven. Okay, I know eleven. All right. They shall not be weary, and they shall walk, and they shall not faint. Now, now, this has been misread by the traditional church. It's the secret rapture. This isn't the secret rapture, okay? But we are going to be taken away into the Shamayim. But it seems more like that when the children of Israel left Egypt, amazing things start to happen. It's not a secret rapture. So let's look at what this means in the Hebrew. We're going to break down what the word eagles, wings, and wilderness is. Because it's from Exodus 19. It's backed up through the prophet Isaiah in the 40th chapter. And that is coming to us at a venue very shortly, wherever you are, scattered in the wilderness. He's going to deliver us by the same manner in Revelation chapter 12. And it is all tied in to the world that we live in today. The Hebrew word for eagles is the Hebrew word nesher, nesher. It's spelt with a noon sheen resh, noon sheen resh. We, we, we spoke about the noon last week. It's the, it's the fish. It's life, right? It's like a swimming fish. If you go into the paleo, you can see the pictographic language is way better than the Babylonian flame letters. But even in the Babylonian flame letters, that you can get a certain amount of understanding. But you really got to look at the, the pictographic to be able to get these types of meaning. The noon, of course, is the swimming fish where you're going to have life, a seed, air, okay? It's an action, right? The action of the swim. Now, now the shin is like teeth. The teeth, okay, it's sharp. It can mean destruction and to destroy. Whereas the resh, you look at it, especially in the paleo, it looks like a man's head. The resh or rosh or head of the mountain. Okay, it's the head of something, the beginning, the person, the top of something. That's just the word for eagles. Nesher, nun, shin, resh. But then you get into the word wings, the wings of your garment. It's also the word for tzitzit, kanaf, kanaf. It's spelled kaf, 
noon with a peso feet again. Now the cuff, it means the palm. It's like the palm of the hand. also means to bend, to cover something. It can mean to open up and to bring forth a blessing. Now the noon, again, you've got your fish, you've got action, you've got life. You know, what life brings forth children, a son, can be a son. And then you've got the pay. Again, the pay is like that open mouth. We looked at it with the mask, right? The open mouth means to blow. You can breathe. You can, you can scatter something with your breath, right? To scatter um, on the edge. You can command and you can open. So there we've got wings broken down in the Hebrew. Kanaf. And then we come into wilderness. Bar midbar in the wilderness, or Midbar, wilderness specifically. It's spelt with a Mem, Dalit, and a Bet, and then finally you have your Chresh. So the Mem, of course, means water. Now, sometimes water can be chaos, can it not, depending if a storm's coming in. So you've got the water, and you've got the chaos, and you've got the mighty... There's nothing more powerful than water. Especially if they let off a suitcase bomb in, in New York and the waters come in over the buildings. I mean, this is going to be, you know, something to, to, to decimate the economy in a whole new way. In a whole new way. You think the market's unstable now. But I digress. The mem, water, chaos, you know, the might, the power. It can mean to bleed, to bleed out. And then, of course, the next word for um, letter for the wilderness is the Dalit, which is a door. You know, you hang a door, don't you? You move through a door. You open a door, which leads to a path, which leads you on a way. So you can, can make, make all that connections with the, the, the Hebrew letter Dalit. And then you have the Bet, which we know it's the first word in the scripture. It's the house. It's all about a house and Yahuwah building a house. And bringing forth a family, which is the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. And ultimately in that house, you're going to find peace. But outside of that house, you're going to find Cain, divide and conquer. And then finally you have the resh, which means the man's head, the first, the beginning, the top of something. So what does this all mean? Eagle's wings in the wilderness, that's where we're going. Just breaking that all down into the Hebrew from the paleo, it means thus. Eagles, the ones birthed through the refiner's fire, is led by the high priest. That's it. That's what he's going to do with us. He's going to lead us. Look, eagles, noon, the one birth, shin, through the refiner's fire, resh, is led by the high priest. But then the wings, the cuff, and carried into a secret place, noon, for a full term, peso feet, to abide in a temporary dwelling of community and prayer, wilderness, mem, out of the blood and chaos, for a washing and protection, dalit, under the guarded veil, a sheltered body, housed resh under the trigger control of the high priest. That's it. That's what it means. I like the last bit best. We're going to be under the trigger control of the high priest. 
He's our protection because he's not coming back as the Prince of Peace. He's coming back with full trigger control. With a sword. That's right there. I'd say it one more time because that's a lot for you. I'll put it up in the notes section. Eagles, noon, the one birthed. Shin, through the refiner's fire. Resh is led by the high priest. That's eagles. Wings, cuff, and carried into the secret place. Noon, for a full term, pay so feet to abide in the temporary dwelling of community and prayer. Wilderness, mem, out of the blood and chaos for a washing and protection, dull it under the guarded veil, you're going to be sheltered and housed, resh, under the trigger control of the high priest. There's your story, Revelation 12, coming to a theater near you, hopefully next week. There's our hope. There's our hope. I mean, this is powerful stuff. It's even broken right down, and there's more evidence of this. In Revelation chapter 12, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. I think it is absolutely weird, oh weird, that there is such focus on the mouth right now in society. Such focus on the mouth. Yet the prophecies reveal much about this. Especially when you look how the Saadi is man laid on his side, either before tyranny or laid on his side for a prophetic mantle. There's no other divide but the word of Yahweh that is sharper than a two-edged sword to be able to decipher this. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth. She's not gagged. She's not masked. She's got the open mouth ready to receive in the oxygen life and blessings of Yahweh, which are his seed, heirloom children, going to come back into his house. <laughs> I can barely sleep at night. But it's so exciting. Isn't it? But it's also cray-cray. Isn't it? Being accosted. Left and right. And you go to buy dog food at the store. I just send my son in. I said, <laughs> okay, son. You're going to go into the store. You're going to be accosted by those two men and you need to stand and just speak truth and then just walk through the divide. It's like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'll come and get you if you need. He, How old are you? That's private. <laughs> I mean, just shuts them down. Well, you can't come in here. I just told you why I'm exempt. I'm coming in. And he walks right through. See, it's all training. We train up our children in righteousness as our Father in heaven has trained me up in righteousness. And we will not lay on our side for tyranny. We'll lay on our side for a prophetic unction and the prophetic expectation of the mantle that he's bestowed upon us. 
So there's no better time to be alive as a believer. There is no better, more exciting time to be alive because he is faithful to equip us all in these times. Be patient. Do not give place to anxiety or fear because Yahuwah is near to his saints and he is going to carry us on eagle's wings into the wilderness. We just have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us and give us unction. But amazing things are playing out all over the world, all over the world. And ultimately, just like when the Red Sea was parted, so the children of Israel could walk across on dry land to escape tyranny and his tyrannical armies, this time the earth will open up to swallow the flood of the FEMA camp army and the camp of the 200 million man army that they're rounding up of contact tracers and all that baloney. And they're going to be swallowed up just like Korah was into the ground like it, you see in Numbers chapter 16. They will get their end. Their tyranny will come to its full, full end. But next we will see that that dragon will become very vexed and extremely furious when the woman gets away. Yes, we will get away. We will be the gray man that just slips through undiscovered, and then the dragon will go after the rest of her children, those that are asleep in the church, that need your witness right now, gently now, salt, and a lot of grace. That's the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? But I'm growing as you're growing, as we grow in the word together. If you don't like me now, you should have seen me 10 years ago. Some people will say, what do you mean, 10 weeks ago? What do you mean, 10 months ago? No, 10 years ago. Come on, Revelation 12, verse 1, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of Yahuwah and have the testimony of Yahushua the Messiah. Just as Isaiah prophesied, right? To the Torah and to the testimony, that is the true word. The two witnesses, all that to say this. In Revelation chapter 11 and the seventh verse, we know, have this testimony. And the beast will ascend out of the bottomless pit to make war against them and to overcome them and kill them. Right now, tyranny is trying to overcome people by breaking them down. And the best way to break a person down is to demoralize them, to break down their psyche. And, to, and they know that humanity communicates more than with the mouth. We are expressive, expressive people. And we do best and we connect best when we are panayim el panayim. You start to remove that, you can strip everything away and it happens real quick, really quick. Then you break down law and order and you break down the barriers further. This is just like stripping the veneer off a wooden table. And now once you've got that first layer on, it's easy going. And that's why you're seeing it picking up more and more and more and more. Because men are trees. 
Men are trees and you need to be a hardened oak to be able to withstand the days ahead. And that only comes by the refiner's fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, my might, or by my strength, but by the power of Yahuwah alone. He has got a wonderful story and a wonderful destination. I have got so much more that I could say, but I think at this point we get the gist of Revelation chapter 11 because we're A, B, C, D, E deep into it. Enough said on Revelation 11. I'm looking forward to Revelation 12 next week. Let's see what you guys have to say in the chat because it's always a blessing to be able to connect with you here. So let's make sure I've got it populated correctly. In the chit chat. In the chit chat. Live chat. Yep, I got it right there. Okay. If you want me to grab a chat, it always helps. Um, if it's redlined. All right. Yashub. Shabbat Shalom. Yashub. Yashub says, when we choose life, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, we can't keep thinking about death all the time, i.e. persecution for not complying, consequences for denying mandatory vax, etc. I love this verse. Yeah, we've, we've got to focus on life. And I know I get apocalyptic. I love it. It's exciting. But again, you've got to stay on track. I speak to myself just as much as you. Thank you, Yashu. Great verse, great word. Wilderness Assembly. Shabbat Shalom, Wilderness Assembly. Very appropriate username. I'd like to point out that though Revelation 7 notes 144,000 sealed, right after that mentions a great multitude clothed in white robes. What's the difference between these groups? What is the di I think that what you're seeing is the fullness of Israel being brought out of the nation and having the righteousness of Yahushua and our robes are unblemished because they are his robes placed upon us. But that's just my, my comprehension of it. Much more truth, Shabbat Shalom, much more truth, says the same 42 months for the two witnesses as the anti-Messiah as a countermeasure to the beast and his system. What do you think? Not sure. Not sure if I understand that correctly, but put some more comments down there, much more truth to give clarity. William Seabrook gives us some thumbs up, Matthew 24, 6 and Revelation 6, 2. Revelation 6, 2. Archangel Welding, Shabbat Shalom, asks us a question. Is it possible for Noah to be one of the witnesses? What do you guys think? Put that down in the chat. Is it possible? Um, let's see what else we've got going on here today.
Oh, Kevin Niebling, he says this. If there was a man, oh, this is a loaded question. I'm not going to answer this question, but you guys answer it in the chat. I'd like to see what you think. Kevin Niebling says, if there was a man on earth you had to place in Isaiah 14, 16, who would it be? Okay, who would it be? Put it in the chat. I want to know. Who do you think that wicked, wicked person is? Isaiah 14, 16. Doug's going to read it to us, but we know what you're talking about. Well, I do anyway. Who's it? Who is it going to be? Who is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it Bill Gates? Is it going to be, is it, is, um, all of a sudden, Michelle Obama going to come on the, the um, Biden ticket and then Biden's going to collapse into a, a heap of mess on the White House lawn and then all of a sudden she's going to become president? All oh, that theory's being floated around somewhat, isn't it? Is that what it is? Or is it going to be the Bill and Melinda? Or oh, is it George? Oh, there's so much conspiracy. The mind boggles. Get back to the word. Yes, but anyway, stick that down in the comments. Sketchy says this. Well, Brenda says, no, Noah died. Okay, there you go. Nice, very succinct. Thanks, Brenda. No, Noah died. She most probably didn't actually say it like that. She most probably said it really sweet. No, I'm just like saying it like that. Um, Sketchy says, you mentioned Jacob separating the sheep. Could you clarify the parallel between the situation of Jacob and Laban and what's going on now? Again, yes, right? When Jacob left Laban, then... Um, Oh crikey! Now I'm now now I thought I had something, but now I think I'm 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 starting to run everything together. Let me take pause. Let me take pause and read the question again. I'm too excitable. Okay, when Jacob left Laban, that was his first tribulation, first tribulation or Jacob's trouble. That's the parallel separating the sheep, the spotted and the speckled, getting his inheritance, getting the blessing, and then leaving Laban. Then he has to encounter Esau. That is Jacob's first trouble. That's where we're at right now. And then he divides his house, right? It's like the division of the two houses of Israel uh, then are going to be brought back together into the one stick of Messiah. So this is Jacob's trouble because his great tribulation, as I've said so many times, happened later with his beloved son Joseph and the goat's blood and he thought he was dead. So there is... Oh, here's an interesting one. Be elite tactical. Can I? I don't think I can. I mean, I'd like to be able to answer this right here on this venue. But this is too deep for a question publicly on YouTube. That's a crazy question. Oh, it's so tempting though, isn't it? Ah, oh, gee. What are we going to do? We can't. All right, I have to go past that one. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wow, things are happening fast, aren't they? Yashub says, could Enoch be a witness? Could Enoch be a witness? What do you guys think? Put that down in the chat. That's Yashub's question right there. 
Drew says, if Matthew starts talking about his hairy legs, I'm out. What's that got to do with anything? When did I ever do that? Ever? He's out because I just brought it up. But you brought it up first, and now I brought it up. What are you doing, crazy man? Modesto, we haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Shabbat Shalom. The two witnesses' bodies will be seen by all nations. Do you think they will be live streamed? No joke, just trying to frame it into our time. Yes, I do think it will be live streamed. Yes. Yeah, I really do. Diesel Grandpa, thank you. Topper Shigo. Diesel Grandpa says, as we walk around, Without our masks, I definitely believe we as believers are being exposed and singled out. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, quite, it's quite interesting, you know. There's like the unmasked club, you know, when you go out now. It's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? You know? It's like, or now you've got free expression of your face, right? My son's like totally nodding like, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I can't imagine being 14 years old in this time. I mean, I, I mean as a believer... I'd be pretty jazzed up, right? And now he goes to wrestling, all right? And um, they've moved it. It's, it's great. I, I love it. They've moved it to a big trucking warehouse down in Albany, right? Where they, they, they work on massive diesel semis. And they've vacated the whole place and put down mats. And now there's all these guys and there's some girls in there too. And it's all wrestling. And, you know, everybody's, you know, I'm talking about, oh, there's definitely no social distancing going on in there. And everybody, they're all of the like-minded, you know. And the conversations that are happening, it's absolutely um, thrilling. I enjoy it. And I get to, you know, watch, you know, extreme combat violence, which, you know, is thrilling. So, yeah, that's what I do a couple nights a week just to decompress. Beats watching television for sure. Anyway, what am I talking about? I'm being silly. Pixie from Dixie. Shabbat Shalom. That's a great username. Will there be a large number of martyrs during the tribulation? Yes, there will. So a large number of martyrs during the tribulation. Yes, there will. Yes, there will. So we, we need to, you know, in all soberness, um, be just so thankful that Yahweh has called us out, and, and to remember that this, this life is not, is not everything for us. We have a hope. We have an expectation, and that does bring, bring you back, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Thank you for that, Pixie from Dixie. Oh, here's a good one. Be elite tactical. Do you think we'll see an EMP during the coming tribulation? You know, I thought so much that we would have an EMP, that I ended dumping so much blooming money into a 1993 Dodge W250 because it was EMP proof. And um, yeah, I sold it and now none of my um, vehicles are EMP proof. So, you know, I really was going that way and then I realized, you know, I'm just going to hoof it anyway. It's all going to go to pot. Who cares? Sorry, Doug, don't mean a rainer. Is yours EMP proof? It's not. Yours isn't either. What, what year? You got what year is yours? Yeah, 95. You've got to go. But the Dodge W250, 93 edition. Yeah, I did go into that thinking all EMP. 
and then realize, you know, there was one flaw in the thinking. I'm like, oh, it's a Dodge W250. It's bulletproof, the engine. Yeah, the engine is bulletproof, except you have to pay for everything that falls apart around it. So, yeah, that, 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 that piece of information was not relayed to me. So I had to find out the hard ways. Uh, EMP, electric magnetic pulse. They let off a, a, a device high in the atmosphere and it neutralizes. I think it would be a blessing. But I don't know if they would do it because they're not going to then be able to do all the tracking, are they? They would shoot themselves in the foot. Unless, you know, another nation did it on us, which is possible, right? Maybe the Chinese would do it. There we go. Speculation and theory and hypothesizing. But, um, hey, if you've got a, an EMP vehicle that works, then stick with it. If you don't have to dump any more money into it. That's all I'm saying. Diesel Grandpa says, that was a beautiful truck. It truly was, but it also was... Um, a thorn in my side. Now, Danielle does have a very important question at Torah to the Tribes, Romans 13. I recommend that you go and um, re, um, listen to the Romans teaching that I've done. Regarding masks, we're to obey man's laws. I know a lot are refusing, but we're commanded to obey the government, right? What to do? No, we're not commanded to obey the government. We're commanded to walk in honor, and we are commanded to obey Yahweh. And Yahweh does place, specifically Paul was talking, those in power and position. But the moment there's overreach and tyranny, then we can't, okay? And so you have to look at where these rules are, or, are originating from. Uh, and when you realize that they're originating from the, the prophets of Baal and the black robe priests, then you have a major problem. You find yourself just where the prophet Elijah was. Are you going to follow the black robe priests and their governing laws? Or will you follow Yahuwah? Because that's where we're at. So, again, we have to be careful because Romans has been abused by the church to subject man to doing all kinds of crazy things. Oh, you've got to obey the government and do this and do that and do that. I don't, I don't say, you know, we should go and fight the government. No. I'm just saying that we should follow Yahuwah. I don't believe in, in all of this nonsense that's going out on out there. There are some great people in government, and we should always walk in honor and integrity. And I am very, very, very thankful to be here in this country, and I'm very thankful for some of the great things that are and have happened in government. Okay, so I just think we just have to take pause and ultimately realize that we have to leave government to government because we're of a different kingdom, okay? And the main thing is walking in honor and integrity with it all and not being a belligerent. And if we can do that, then I think we can walk before... What are we doing? Huh? Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> He's, he's, he's using his facial expression here in studio. Yes, have a, have, help me out here. Thank the you. Thing, the thing about uh, laws are they work 
in many different ways. And the more informed you are about the laws, then you can use them to your benefit and against tyranny. So uh, in the case of the ADA, you could use that. In the case of HIPAA laws, you can use that. And those are within the law. So um, you can walk in honor in those ways. Excellent, excellent. This is a great question from Modesto, and this has come up oftentimes, but I think he really succinctly um, um, types this out here. I've often battled with the idea of bugging out, but wrestle with the idea of Scripture saying the wicked flee when no one pursues. At what point do we take flight? That's such a very well-balanced question because we can't just be bugging out when no one's pursuing. So, yeah, I think that's so wise, Modesto. And again, I go back to the book of Jasher in the, around the 70th or seven, in the 70s, maybe it's 77, where Ephraim left Egypt 40 years earlier and got decimated in the wilderness. And there's so many people that are bugging out early and end up in a world of trouble. When it's time to go, it will be abundantly clear by the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. It will not be by the voice of man, but it will be by the voice and power of the Holy Spirit. Also a thought about that is if we all bugged out, who would witness? Yes. Now, this one is from um, Jose. He says, blessings, brother. Thank you, Jose. He says, since Yahuwah used water to, to destroy the Egyptians, will he now use fire to help our escape? Yeah, I, it's very possible, isn't it? Some I'd like to answer here, but I, I can't. Oh, here's a good one from Deborah E. I saw this on like Pinterest or something. Has anyone made a fake mask knowing COVID-19 is fake, like with netting? I've seen that where it's like um, somebody wears a mask, but it's crocheted with massive holes. I think, you know, if I was going, going to wear one, that would be most appropriate for me. Um, I think it would be fabulous, you know, maybe with a big pair of lips on it or something, but, you know, majorly crocheted. What are you talking about? You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's wise. It's wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here we go. Let's finish up with Polly. Polly from Connecticut, of course, she goes to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let's meditate on these beautiful, beautiful words. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear Elohim and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
There's much to think about, much to ponder. I enjoy speculating. I enjoy a little bit of theorizing what possibly could happen. EMPs, Dodge pickup trucks. Last week we had guns and ammunition, beans and rice. But ultimately, there is the whole conclusion of the matter. We're not in this world. Well, we are, but we're not of this world. And our hope is so much higher, so much, so much stronger. So m and what a people, what a people. Thousands of years later, we're still here. The children of Israel scattered abroad. And that, by being the children of Israel, who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yahushua, there is the standing that you need to have to walk in honor, to walk in integrity, before the government, before the nations, before men, because you're still here and Yahweh is still on the throne and that is a thorn in the side of tyranny and there is where you can really skewer them. So I'll look forward to seeing you next Shabbat here live and again. Now's a very appropriate time to give us some thumbs up an even better time to subscribe to the channel and thank you Please consider donating to this ministry. Your tithes and offerings and stewardship means all the world to keeping us going. And thank you again. It's truly been a blessing. All of you guys on the Shabbat Fellowship today, we have got all of the connect groups. So please go to our Zoom platform on TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and connect with people in your FEMA region. Because the time is now to make those connections that last a lifetime. And we had, what, over 100 people together today um, just on the Shabbat Fellowship. And it is so fun to see all those faces unmasked on the screen, chatting it up and edifying, praying for one another, making connections. And we've got platform groups going, I think, every day of the week but one. So what a great time to do it. We're thankful. Bless you all and Shabbat Shalom.